I don't know. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
Welcome to the George Wilder. <laughs> My mouth is messed up. Thank you for that. Welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, uh, broadcasting live, internet radio. This is internet radio. Everybody's saying, well, it's a podcast. Well, it could be, but I call it an internet radio. The folks that let me do this call it internet radio, and my listeners are also calling it internet radio. So, you know, call it internet internet radio. And thank you very much. We were off yesterday. I want to apologize to my guests. Uh, sometimes, you know, I have to take off. I get sick, too, just like everybody else, and we have to call off. But uh, when I call off work, you know, it's me that I call <laughs> to tell myself that I'm not going to do it, you know, for whatever reason. I don't have anybody to um, uh, uh, adhere to on this radio show because it's mine. You know, if I take off, I take off. I don't have to call any call in like so many other people do when they're working for someone else. Um, I, I know some people have to work for other people, and and it's it's a given. But if you can, you know, try to find a way to work for yourself. Try to find a way. You can be working for you can work with someone else for five or ten years, but make sure during that time you're dreaming about doing your own thing. Uh, you're dreaming of dreaming about being your own entrepreneur, proprietor, your own owner of your own business. It is such a great thing when you know that you don't have to have someone around you micromanaging, someone looking over your shoulder, finding out what you're doing. You don't have to worry about other employees going back and going back, running back to the boss and telling on you for whatever reason. You know, you don't have to worry about your ideas being stolen from you because uh, that that happens a lot of times in the workplace. Employees come up with their own ideas. The boss, supervisor, whoever, you know, will take those ideas and say they thought of those ideas, you know. So if you... I know everybody cannot work for themselves. I know that. I mean, you can't, get, but still in all, give it a shot. You know, give it a shot. Open it, open up your own uh, business. If you have a great hobby that you're good at, turn that hobby into a business. Turn it into making money. You know, if you have a horrible boss, get the hell away from there. You know, because basically, I've said this a thousand times. When you're working for somebody else, you're making them rich, and you, you're you not getting anywhere. I mean, if you work with someone for 20 or 30 years, suddenly they're downsizing, you're the first one to go. And then what do you have? Nothing. You're at home sitting, looking out of the window, wondering how the hell you're going to pay the bills. After you'd have been so loyal to this company, coming in every day, not calling off for 30 years, and all of a sudden they throw you out the door throw you out into the pasture, you know, but, but if you, uh, you know, are energetic, you're ambition, you're strong and you want to survive. I mean, do your own thing, find out what you're good at, find out what the world needs and then produce that uh, product or service. And you're off and running. Owning your own business, getting into business for yourself is tough. It's hard. So make sure you have some sort of support net. You know, you got to have people around you who believe in you, who's going who's gonna to believe in you and give you that support you need to, to, to be successful. Now, there are so many people out here who 
think they have the ability to go out and work for them, work for themselves and do for themselves, but they don't have the right support net. They have people around them telling them that they can't do it, or they have people around them trying to prevent them from being successful. And I've said this a thousand times, if you got to get away from those kind of people. I mean, if you, if you have people around you, I don't care if they're in your family, you're, you're, they're, maybe they're your best friends, but they're not supportive of you doing the things that you love. You have to get rid of them. Get them out of your sight. Because if you don't, they are going to make sure that you do not make it. They don't want you to make it. You know why they don't want you to make it? Because they themselves are failures. And they want you to be just like them. If you try to act as if you want to be successful at something, they're coming after you. Get rid of the people around you who do not support you, who do not want to see you make it, who do not want to uh, give you the benefit of, of the doubt. Even though you have the talent and uh, the ambition and the drive and the ability to be a out there on your own, be your own boss, you know, and find supportive people. There's a lot of supportive people, parents, cousins. Then there's uh, people who are not supportive, people who are who may get jealous of you because you may have the talent that they do not, and they'll try to, you know, do things uh, against you to try to get you from, keep you from making it. I mean, they'll lie on you. They will, you know, tell you that you're nothing, you're garbage, you can't make it. And then you go over, sit in the corner and get depressed and you start believing them. (laughs) No, you cannot do that. You have to believe in yourself. Believe in who you are. Believe that you know you can be better than what you are already. You're young, you're, even if you're old, I mean, you can be 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, even in your 90s, and go after your dream. Go after what you want. If you have the ability, your head is still working, your brain is still functioning, get out there and do something for yourself, especially if you have something to offer people. And that's all you need is something to offer people. You have something to offer. They're going to flock. They're going to be flocking to you. You got something to give them. People love, love when you give them something, especially if it's for free. <laughs> they come all the way from nowhere to get something for free, even though they can afford to buy it if they wanted to. The point here is if you have a hobby or, or something or, or a passion that you do and you know you have talented and people have have reacted positively to what you do, do it. Do it. If you want to be a motivational speaker, uh, talking to the world and telling them how to to do things, do it. If you want to be a uh, a relationship coach or something or or whatever, uh, trying to help families out uh, that are going through some some of the things that you you may have gone to going through trying to make it in the world do it do it if you want to be an author a writer do it if you want to be an actor a movie star do it if you want to be a teacher you want to be a garbage man go out and do it if that is your passion if that is where your uh uh interests lie 
If you want to be a doctor, get out there and do it. You want to be an entertainer, do it. You want to be a, a rapper, do it. You want to be a, a singer, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it. But you have to have people around you that that may be supportive. I know it's a lot of people out there who don't have friends. They're living alone. They don't have anybody. Then they are going to have to uh, make it on their own. And it happens. I mean, you have a lot of people living alone by themselves, uh, young people, old people. And some of these people are miserable. Some of them are depressed. You don't have to be that way. Depression is going to hinder you from from uh, uh, realizing your dream. Being shy. There's a lot of people out there that are shy. Stop being shy. Shy will stop you will stop you in your tracks from being the person you want to be. Shyness is not your friend. Being bashful is not your friend. Not wanting to show your talent is not your friend. You have to be out there. If you want to make something of yourself, you have something to give to the world, then you better let us see it. Or you're going to be stagnated. You can write a book. You can, you can write the greatest book in the world. It could be something that everybody ought to be reading. But if you do not let anybody know that that book is out there, no one will know and no one will care. You've got to let people know who you are, what you are, and what you do. Everybody is not going to jump on board right, right quickly. It's going to maybe take a few months, a year, maybe a few years. But but you have the time. You do. What's the excuse? Anyway, it as I was saying, it's fun to do the show. And I was off yesterday, and I apologize again to the to the people who wanted to call in or the guests that were supposed to appear. Um, the thing is, uh, as I was saying, when I call off on my show, if I take off on the show, um, I always apologize. There is no one I have to call and say. Well, I'm taking off the show today, and, uh, you know, I just take the hell off. You know, I mean, <laughs> they're not paying me anything. I just take the hell off. And uh, I know sometimes the, the guests will will uh, contact me and say, George, you, your show wasn't, uh, you were, your show wasn't on the day that I was supposed to be on it. I was, uh, that I was a guest on your show. It wasn't on. And basically, all I do is just reschedule them for a time when the show will be on again. And that's it. And that's wonderful when you are your own boss and you're doing things your own way. You don't have to worry about nobody, you know, looking over your shoulder, micromanaging. You don't have to be stressed out every day because the supervisor may be looking to fire you and all this stuff. You don't have to worry about your uh, coworkers running back to the boss saying things about you, telling on you for whatever reason, because you got people who do that. I mean, let's say if you're a great worker, a wonderful worker, a, a superb worker in your workplace, a lot of the employees may not like that because you may be making them look bad. So they're going to come up, with it, come up with all kinds of things to try to get you fired because you're making them look awful because they don't want to work and you're working. And 
that happens. It happens. Not in every workplace, not everywhere, but maybe a few, but a few is too many where, you know, you may be harassed in a workplace because you are good at what you do. You may be harassed because you have great ideas. You may be harassed because you show up every day and you're not late and you love what you do. People will harass you for those simple little things in the workplace. But some of us, we need our jobs. So we take whatever goes on in the workplace. I mean, you got a lot of sexual harassment in the workplace. There is no doubt about it. Uh, And it's not only men. A lot of people are always saying that it's men who does the groping. And sexual harassment can be a woman thing, too. You know, I mean, women grope, they sexually, sexually harass. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you don't hear that in the news today. But it's not always men, but every time you hear about sexual harassment or rape or you think of a man, but women can be guilty of it just as much, maybe even more than a man. If there's women out there who, who are listening to the show, they would agree. Some of them would agree. But, you know, sexual har- harassment uh, in any form is wrong, is wrong, you know, but it happens. However, if you think about it, men are, I mean, if you grab a man by, if a woman grabs a man by his butt or by his private part, do you think that man is going to go to the media and say, wow, she groped me? No way. Men are not going to do that. Do that. Women, depends on their motive, will do it. And then the man is in trouble. <laughs> Like Al Franken, Al Franken, the senator, um, the senator uh, in Congress, Al Franken. I'm looking at the photograph right now on Huffington Post. Uh, Senate Dems come down on Franken and Franken admits he did it. Just like so many other um, people, celebrities, famous folks, they have admitted a majority of the and a majority, if not all, uh, of these are men, okay? Senate Dems leave no room for ambiguity in denouncing Al Franken. You know, Al Franken expects to get denounced. He may be even expelled from Congress, just like Roy Moore. Uh, I mean, he's he's got at least ten women after him, and his uh, I'm hearing that his uh, poll numbers are in the toilet right now. Okay, Al Franken, a woman have has accused the senator of groping her without consent. There is a photograph on the internet showing Al Franken, a senator, a sitting senator, groping a, this woman while she's sleeping. And she was, she's sleeping and she was in the military. He just grabbing both of her breasts, both of her breasts while he's smiling into the camera. This is a photograph. I'm pretty sure you probably know that. And all of this, if you think about it, folks, is just playing into the hands of the Republicans. I'm looking at the photographs now. Okay, Democratic senators who were unequivocally on Thursday in their calls for an investigation into sexual assault allegations against Senator Al Franken, uh, the Democrat of um, Minnesota, in a stark contrast to how their Republican peers have responded to the allegations against GOP Alabama Senate nominee Roy Moore. I mean, 
there are still women coming out against Roy, Roy Moore from Alabama, and I'm hearing, like I've said, I'm hearing that his uh, poll numbers are are, uh, are being wiped out, and the Democrat in that state is leading him. Back to Al Franken. About two dozen Democratic senators have come forward with statements denouncing Franken's alleged behavior. It's not alleged anymore because he has admitted to it, right? So it's factual. Uh, alleged behavior during a USO tour in December of 2006. Anchor woman and spokesman Leanne Tweeden said Thursday that Franken groped and kissed her without her consent. Okay? And I'm hearing that Franken did apologize to her and she did accept his apology. But you know how politics are. Once they get, once these folks get their hands and mitts into something, they're never going to let it go. And the Republicans, they're never going to let this go with Franken, you know, because they're going to call him a pervert, a, you know, sexual harasser, someone who should not be in Congress. But they forget about Donald Trump. They don't talk about Donald Trump. Donald Trump was a worse female assaulter, sexual assaulter than anyone. But they're not mentioning Donald Trump. Okay, back to Franken. Most of the senators called for an ethics investigation, and many acknowledged that workplace sexual harassment has long been ignored. It has. And we're not talking about uh, the 2000s. We're talking about uh, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, the teens. Sexual harassment has been around forever. And it's been really, really uh, devastated in Hollywood. I mean, back in the 30s and the 40s, before a woman could get a part in a movie, they had to uh, adhere to the what they called back then the casting couch. They had to screw before they get a part in a movie. And this is true. I mean, some of the superstars of the 30s and the 40s the, the ladies had to screw uh, to get their jobs. Director, producer, another actor. Uh, so it's, it's been a long, long uh, tradition uh, of sexual harassment in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these folks you see on TV, a lot of these young girls, some of these adults, uh, you don't know what they had to do to get their jobs. Blow jobs, probably. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, it's bad and it's being brought, uh, brought to light in a uh, grotesque way. But uh, it's here. All right. Sexual harassment and misconduct should not be allowed by anyone and should not occur anywhere. And it shouldn't, but it does. It does. And it will again. It will again. And a lot of the seniors... A lot of the, not seniors, but senators say they support an investigation by the Senate Ethics Commission on um, Al Franken. Uh, you know, so Senator Tammy Baldwin, uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin, the Democrat of Wisconsin, said that she was glad Franken immediately apologized but added that this kind of behavior isn't okay, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, and I support the Ethics Committee 
Committee's investigation. Why isn't the Ethics Committee investigating Donald Trump? This guy <laughs> on tape, there's a thousand women out there who said uh, uh, assaulted them. But Donald Trump, what he did, and someone asked the question, uh, what happened to all the women who accused Donald Trump? And I promptly answered, they probably were paid off, threatened, and scared off. I I can only that that's all I can see and all I can uh, uh, say. They were paid the hell off to drop the cases to not sue because Donald Trump had about four or five uh, court cases coming up before he actually took. Uh, the office of president, and they were all sexual harassment or sexual assault. But all of a sudden, no, Donald Trump doesn't want to go to court. He doesn't want to. He Donald Trump will say he he he's going to sue. I'm going to sue this person. I'm going to sue that person. I'm going to sue. He doesn't want to sue anybody. You know you know why? Because he if he takes this stuff to court, everything. Is going to come out and be public about him. It's going to be so much discovery on this guy. It's going to be pitiful. That's why he just says he's going to sue somebody, but it never comes to, to fruition. He never goes to court. He never sues anybody because he knows that the information that comes out in a lawsuit or a criminal suit is going to reveal a lot about him, and he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. So this sexual thing, this sexual uh, scandal that's happening today in 2017 is, it is phenomenal. Every time you look around, somebody that you know, somebody in the movies, somebody in, in, in Congress and in politics, even here in Illinois, they've got um, senators, they've got the politicians in Illinois taking sexual harassment classes. <laughs> they've got even in the senate and congress sexual behavior classes something to that effect and and um yeah right now as I, as i speak some some of these politicians may be going to uh counseling or some sort because they know that they do it and uh, and i don't want to uh uh miscount women because some women have done it also but I've, I've said personally, I had, I've had a few women sexually assault me, but I didn't, I'm not going to the boss and say, hey, wow, she groped me. <laughs> That's the way men are, but women, I mean, especially if you, if you are um, in the media, uh, you got a little bit of fame and notoriety of women, some women, not all, are going to come after you because they it could be a number of reasons. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not putting putting sexual harassment. Uh, uh, I'm not putting sexual harassment. Uh, uh, I'm not making little little of it because uh, the person is a woman. It happens. Men do it. I, I I agree. Men do it. But I've never ever harassed any woman. I've had more women harass me. And uh, in, in, back in the day, they don't do it too much now because <laughs> I've gotten older. And 
you know, but uh, I remember all of that kind of thing. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I really didn't want to get off on that. It just happened because I wanted to talk about the expressway shootings on the Dan Ryan in the, in the city of Chicago. But we'll do that when we come back. And uh, thank you very much for tuning in to the show, everybody. We're going to take... We're gonna we're gonna take a small break and we will be right back. Does it work? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I know you're out there. Believe me. I uh, I know you're out there, and thanks for that. And I thank you for that and all that all that good stuff. All right, you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. It is a beautiful night. It is a great night, a cold one, but it's it's nice. And uh, what else can you ask for, right? All righty. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hi, George. This is Linda Benz. Hi, Linda Benz. Hi. <laughs> Author Linda Benz, am I correct? Author Linda Benz, yes, that's right. All right, tell us, give us a little bit of, of bio, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then you can start talking about your book and whatever you want. Okay. Um, well, right. I live in Portland, Oregon now, but I'm originally from England, and um, I grew up uh, really with mm, very low self-esteem, hardly any confidence. <laughs> um, didn't really. Oh, I just got through talking about that. You did. <laughs> Good. Well, so you know, I was brought up to believe that I didn't have much to offer, and I, I eventually discovered, as I worked in various jobs, that I actually was very good at uh, whatever I put my mind to and whatever I was interested in. And so, you know, I did pretty well in the corporate environment, um, as people acknowledged the work that I did. 
Um, but it was very unsatisfactory for me. You know, I was never really happy in that kind of world. So about 20 years ago, I started my own business. Um, and I've evolved now into to what I do now, which is helping people understand and manage their energy, basically showing people how they're responsible for what shows up in their life. And if they want to change something, they can do so by changing their energy. And um, like I said, I've been doing that for about 20 years in one way or another. And um, just really using my own life experiences, but also the experiences of my clients. Um, the last book that I wrote was uh, related to finances because so many people are struggling financially. And so it was all about the the energy of money and our relationship with money and how if you want to improve your financial situation, you can do so by working from the inside out. So basically looking inside yourself. So that's basically what I do and, and what I'm doing now. Okay, so uh, you're now working for yourself. I am. Before you was work, you were, before you were working for someone else, but now you're working for yourself. So how 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 was that transition to go working for someone else to start working for yourself? Was that a hard transition, or easy one, or some you thought something you thought about, and you decided to do it? For me. For me, yeah. it was extremely difficult uh, because of the mm -hmm. low, low confidence and self-esteem issue. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things I discovered was that um, I had to, I was very comfortable being in the background, you know, um, supporting people, doing that kind of thing. But when you run your own business, obviously, you have to be out there talking to people. You have to learn to get comfortable with talking to groups of people. And that was very, very hard for me. And I, I also didn't really have any business skills. I just was passionate about what I do, and I knew I could help people. And so I just kind of jumped in, which I don't recommend. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I figured it out. <laughs> Um, the hard way, but in doing that, you know, I've learned so many lessons that I'm able to share with other people so that I can help other people make it uh, a lot easier yeah. for themselves. Yeah, uh, I'm one of those advocates. I'm all for people uh, giving up their nine to five to work for themselves. You know, no, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, uh, it's a transition. I think that people who are capable and, and, and capable and ambitious enough to do i think they should do it because uh working for someone else is just it, it, it's okay if you if you don't have the skills to be your own entrepreneur but if you do have the skills the ambition the drive the know-how why in the hell would you want to keep working for someone else because you you're just making them richer and you're not really getting anywhere that's so true um i would Add one word of caution in there, and that you know, if you're mm -hmm. thinking of of starting to work for yourself, and that is to to figure out what what it is you want for your life first. Yeah. What do you want yeah. this business to give you, and then design your business to give you that. Because what most people do, and what I did, was I started my business, and I thought, okay, when I reach a certain point, I'll be able to back off, and I'll be able to do a lot of the things that I want to spend more time doing personally, then I'll be able to take care of myself more and, and do all of that. And, you know, it was the wrong way around. And, and what I did and what many people do is I created a nightmare for myself. I was the worst boss ever <laughs> because, you know, I, I, 
I just worked so hard and I never took time for myself. And what I do now, what I learned is that I had to identify what I wanted for myself in my life and then design my business to give me that. So now I work a lot less, but I accomplish so much more. And that's the way to go. And you're very, very happy being your own boss. I love it now. <laughs> yeah, I love I it too. <laughs> crazy, but now I do. Yes, I do love it. I love the freedom I have now. I didn't have freedom yeah. before, but I love it yeah. now. And I love being yeah. able to choose what I do and who who I work with. Yeah, I do too. I just love it. Sometimes I can't believe it. I mean, people are coming to me and they want to do this and want to do that. And it's up to me to you know, say yes or no, or to book or not to book, or or to interview or not to interview. And it, it right. it's just great. I mean, when you have people around the world uh, uh, pulling at you because they feel that you have something uh, that you can offer that's going to benefit them, and you're the one who make making all the decisions, whether it's a product or a service. You know, it, it just it's just great. You know, because I've worked in the office, I've been out here. I've worked in the office. I've worked in, around uh, CEOs and all these kind of, kinds of people. And I know how they micromanage and, and stuff like that. And I've known people who have worked for worked in their jobs for 30, 40 years. And all of a sudden, they're thrown out the door with nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm always for people getting out there and doing, find it, find it first, they have to find their passion, what they want to do, and uh, make sure that it's going to benefit uh, a lot of people and and, uh, find out what the world needs and create that uh, product or service and, you know, and and watch the people flock. That's exactly right. It has to be something you love and you're really excited about. Right, exactly. You have to generate your own motivation, you know, and very often um, you feel very alone sometimes. (laughs) You've got to try and figure things out by yourself very often, but yeah, but uh, that's, that's called that's passion. That's called working your way up. You know, you want to make yeah. sure that you know what you're doing before you invite other mm-hmm. people in. You know, so that's yeah. called working your way up. I think everybody has to grow, go through that. Even I did. I, I was alone and everything, but once I mm-hmm. uh, got everything together, and it took a few years, then people start flocking, and um, yeah. it was it's very it, it, it's very uh, satisfying. All right, author Linda Benz on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Yes, it's called From the Inside Out, Breakthrough Strategies Mm -hmm. for Mastering Your Finances. And it really Mm -hmm. shows people what they need to know in order to change their relationship money uh, with money so that they have Mm -hmm. a better financial situation. Okay. Uh, So if someone came to you and said, how, how... Uh, can I better manage my money? What kind of advice would you give them? Okay, well, I'm going to read a little bit out of the book, and this is uh, okay. to do with changing your financial patterns. So um, it says your beliefs and conditioning around money are what create your financial patterns. And once you've looked at your beliefs and where those come from, it's time to look at your financial patterns. For example, do you make a lot of money but have trouble holding on to it? Or do you get yes. into debt and then get out of debt <laughs> and then get back into debt again? I definitely have a work... hard time holding on to it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or do you work consistently very hard, very little? 
or every time you feel like you're making progress financially and things are improving, do you find yourself having to help out a family member financially or being faced with a large expenditure? Or do you spend money unnecessarily on items you don't really need? So if you look back at your life, you may find that certain patterns keep recurring. And they happen for a reason, because that's what your beliefs, conditioning, and programming create for you. And that's because you need to learn something from those patterns. And once you learn what you need to learn, then you don't need to repeat the pattern anymore. So that's just one example of, of something you'd find in the book. Yeah, but uh, those questions that you're asking in the book are common questions. They're just simple, simple questions, uh, but the answers may be a little bit more uh, complicated. It's always, you know, everything, it's always very simple, but it's not necessarily easy because, yes, yeah. they are simple questions, but when you really dig deep, um, these are not questions that we typically spend much time with. We may know we're in a certain pattern, but we don't dive in to find out what is this pattern teaching us about ourselves? Why does it keep coming up? Why does the same thing keep happening? Because there is a reason, and when you get it, then you don't need it anymore. You know, a lot of, lot of people with a little money, they love to spend. I mean, people like to spend it. They, they, they even spend money on things that they really don't need. But the fact is that they just enjoy going out there, spending money, buying stuff. You know, so mm -hmm. I, I, would assume, I would assume that's uh, something that they shouldn't do. Well, Not if you off, have the money, you know, spend it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, of course, you if you have the money. No. If you don't have it, then going out and spending money on things that you don't really yeah. need, um, that you're trying to fill a void there somehow, somewhere, you know, um, why would you spend money you don't really have? You know it's going to get you in a worse situation. So it's yeah. covering up another yeah. issue, and you want to be able to find out what that issue is. Wow. Sound advice. I'm going to have to pick up that book. And me and my son, we're going to sit down and read it together <laughs> because he needs to learn how to manage money. You know, uh, Linda Ben's on the George Wilder Jr. show. <laughs> Linda, where can we find the book? Um, you can find it on Amazon.com um, mm -hmm. or you can find it on my website, which is LindaBins.com. Either way. All right. Okay. Have you written any other books? Yes, I've written a series um, of energy tips books to help you improve various um, aspects of your life, energy tips to improve health, to improve finances, energy tips for selling a house, for uh, when you move into a new house. Um, I've also written a book about uh, feng shui in your relationships. <laughs> and uh, on your latest book, how are people reacting to it? I've had very, very positive feedback um, on it because, you know, most financial books talk about managing your money and, you know, I'm not a financial expert. I do have a chapter in there written by a financial expert. I also have a chapter written by a business coach. Um, so they're covering aspects that, you know, I can't speak of. My expertise is energy. And so what is money? It's really energy. It's an energy exchange, something that we yeah. exchange for something that we want. So... Um, that's my area of expertise, and 
Um, so people have been very positive about it and uh, appreciating the fact that it takes, it looks at that side of things, which most financial books don't. Okay, tell us again, where can, where can we find it? It's on Amazon.com. And mm -hmm. um, if you just look up my name, Linda Bins, and that's B-I-N-N-S, um, then mm -hmm. you'll, you'll go right to it. Oh, great. It sounds great. I'm going to check it out, Linda. And it, when I do check it out, I just may give it a review, you know, because I, okay. I, uh, I, I always try to support authors because I'm one myself. And uh, I always look at authors as being family. <laughs> That's the way I see it, you know. So, well, I, yeah, and I always think being we... Being an author yeah. is putting a piece of yourself out into the world, isn't it, in a bigger way? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Linda Benz on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go check her book out. It's, it's uh, educational and you, you can get something from it. Thanks for being on the show, Linda. My pleasure. No problem. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, folks. And we will, we will do what? Do this? Okay. Services paid for through the Ukrainian president's political party. I think it's not...
Democratic Congresswoman Frederica Wilson of Florida. Congresswoman, thanks so much for making time for us this morning. Good morning. So I want to just, before we get into the specifics of what General Kelly said, I just want to get your thoughts on everything that has transpired over the past 48 hours. This very public fight that you seem to be engaged in with President Trump and General Kelly. President Trump just last night, in case you missed it, at about 11 p.m., tweeted about you. He says the fake news is going crazy with wacky Congresswoman Wilson, a Democrat, who was secretly on a very personal call and gave a total lie on content. What's your response to all of this? You know, uh, my emphasis today is on my constituents and helping them lay our hero to rest. That's where I'm, my head is today. And I'm also concerned about him and his last moments. I want to know why he was separated from the rest of the soldiers. Why did it take 48 hours for them to find him? Was he still alive? Was he kidnapped? What's going on? I thought you were supposed to put your comrade across your shoulder and get on the helicopter with the dead and the wounded. Why did they leave him? I am distraught and so is the family. There are so many questions that must be answered. And I have written a letter for an investigation. They keep saying to me, oh, we're going to give you a classified briefing. I can hardly wait for that classified briefing because I am concerned about my constituent today. And I am concerned that he is not able to have an open casket Mm. funeral. And that is very painful to his family. Oh, we can only imagine how devastating all of this has been for his family. And you're not alone. Look, Senator John McCain, so many people are calling for an investigation into exactly what happened here so those questions can be answered. But I'm curious, Congresswoman, did you hear General Kelly's remarks in the press briefing room yesterday? I heard his remarks and I heard him say that I bragged that I uh, secured the money for the building of the FBI uh, building in Miramar, and that's a lie. You know, I feel sorry for General Kelly. He has my sympathy for the loss of his son, but he can't just go on TV and lie on me. I was not even in Congress in 2009 when the money for the building was secured. So that's a lie. How dare he? However, I named the building uh, at the behest of Director Comey with the help of Speaker Boehner, working across party lines. So he didn't tell the truth, and he needs to stop telling lies on me. Well, his point was, I think, that, uh, and though you're right, he didn't get the facts right on that, was that empty barrels make the most noise. And he was using that, he was likening that to you. Basically, that you're... You're I think that's a, that's a racist term, too. I, I'm thinking about that when I, we looked it up in the dictionary because I had never heard of an empty barrel. And I don't like uh, to be uh, dragged into something like that. The only thing I want to be dragged into right now is bring back our girls who are the victims of Boko Haram in Nigeria, 
I have been fighting this fight for almost four years. 276 girls were kidnapped from their dormitory in Nigeria by Boko Haram. Boko Haram split, and now one sect is with ISIS. And that multinational task force that was set up by Congress with Cameroon, mm. Chan, Niger, and Nigeria, yeah. my constituent was there. Mm. Sergeant Jackson was there on detail. He was not fighting. He was giving advice. Mm. And he was killed and abandoned. And I feel guilty because this is what I do every Wednesday in Congress. Yeah. Bring back our girls. We wear red. We're concerned about Boko Haram being the most vicious terrorist organization in the world. And we never really hear about Boko Haram. Yeah. And Boko Haram and ISIS combined and they killed my son. You're, you mean Le David? Johnson, Sergeant Johnson. No, David. Um, Congresswoman, you know, there my are just a couple. model son. My I understand. Model son. You were his, his mentor. I understand how long you, you go back with his family and you knew him from childhood. But there are some things that I just want to get straight about. And all about. of his brothers uh, 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 and all of his cousins. Yes, you're, you are, you're more than obviously their congressman, their representative, and they're more than your constituents. But Congresswoman, I do want to get a couple of details straight here because it sounds like there was a real disconnect in terms of what President Trump was trying to say to Sergeant Johnson's wife and what you heard. And so I just want to go to that point, because we now know from General Kelly and his remarks yesterday that the president came to him and said, these calls are hard. What do you think I should say? And General Kelly was able to share what the casualty officer told him. And he shared with the president what he thought was an effective message. So let me just play that moment. Uh, for you of what General Kelly said. He said, Kel, um, he was doing exactly what when he was killed. He knew what he was getting into by joining the, that 1%. He knew what the possibilities were because we're at war. And when he died, in the four cases we're talking about in Niger, my son's case in Afghanistan. When he died, he was surrounded by the best men on this earth, his friends. That's what the president tried to say to, a fam to four families the other day. So, Congresswoman, when you hear General Kelly say that the words, he knew what he was getting into, that sounds an awful lot like what you say the president said to Sergeant Johnson's wife. Does, this, does hearing General Kelly change how you heard that conversation. That is not a good message to say to anyone who has lost a child at war. You don't sign up because you think you're going to die. You sign up to serve your country. And when he says he died surrounded by his friends, he was abandoned. That did not apply to him. He was abandoned for two days. For 48 hours. Yeah. Why? Why yes. didn't they pick him up and put him on their shoulders and, like they did the other 
fallen comrades. Yes, I, I understand. I, that, I mean, General Kelly and take him to safety. He could have still been alive. So when you say he died surrounded by well, he's his talk, friends, General Kelly. Just to be clear, General Kelly is, there is talking about his own son. He's talking about no, but we're the talking casualty about officer that told him about. that. We're talking about a specific soldier, and when you, every soldier is different, and every family is different. And when you have a young mother who is six months pregnant with two small kids, you say, I am so sorry that you lost your husband, Maisha. Johnson, you call her by her name and you say your husband. You don't say your guy. They were married. And you say, I am so sorry. You have our deepest sympathy. If there's anything this nation can do to ease your pain as your president, please let me know. I am so sorry. That's what I would have said. And that's what he needs to practice to say. He doesn't need to talk about what people sign up for. That is unconscionable. Um, he, General Kelly also said yesterday that he was absolutely stunned by your reaction, knowing from where he sits what the president intended, that he was stunned that you had misinterpreted it, according to him, and that he was stunned. He said he was also stunned that you would have listened in on that call because to him those calls are sacred. Can you respond to that? I wasn't listening in. I was in a car where a, where a call was being taken on a, on a, on a uh, speakerphone. I wasn't listening in. Don't, 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 please don't uh, characterize it as that. And um, I still go back to what I said from the beginning. Call her by her name. Maisha Johnson, call him by his name, Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. He is not her guy. He is her husband. And that is the part that hurt her the most. General Kelly. That is the part. Uh, something I think that is important to bring up. General Kelly said that he was so stunned and frankly hurt by your words and your reaction that in order to gather his thoughts he had to go to Arlington National Cemetery and he spent an hour and a half walking among the gravestones there of the people that he thinks you know have made obviously the biggest sacrifice and are the finest people in our country and because he was hurt that way I'm wondering if you have anything you'd like to say to General Kelly today. To General Kelly I have lost members of the Role Models Project in war before, during the Iraq war. We know what it is. We feel for you, just like we feel for LaDavid's parents and LaDavid's wife. You have my deepest sympathy, but I would never say to you, your son knew what he was signing up for. That would not be a part of my sympathy message to you. How does this public fight that you're having with the president and now General Kelly, who called you out obviously yesterday, how does this end? Is it time for you all to get on a phone conversation? Is it time for you to speak to the president directly? 
it, 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 it probably could end with the president reaching out to the members of the 5,000 Role Models of Excellence Boys and helping me to make them good men in society instead of trying to degrade their sponsor who's working so hard every day to keep them on the right path, sending them to college and trying to keep them away from the criminal justice system. If he wants to help us, I sent uh, something to him with the Congressional Black Caucus. It's called the Commission on the Social Status of Black Men and Boys. It would help us if he helped make that a law and establish that commission in the White House. That would help our entire community. And, and how about, Congresswoman, from your end? Are you willing to allow today that it's possible that you misinterpreted what the president's intentions were in that phone call to Sergeant Johnson's wife? There's nothing to misinterpret it. To misinterpret, he said what he said. I just don't agree with it. I don't agree that that is what you should say to 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 our grieving families. But in terms of his intention there, there not being callous, in terms of his intention not being callous, and maybe he got the tone wrong, but that he, that you misinterpreted his intention or his callousness. Did I miss, I, I think my, what I, my intentions are not important in this today. This has to do with the family that's grieving. You, it's their intentions. They were hurt. I, I, I this is not uh, a question to ask me because uh, I can only imagine how she feels. And she was distraught that he kept saying, my guy, your guy, not your husband, your guy. She said he didn't even know the David's name. So that, that was the most painful part. Can you tell and us? The other most painful part is she still doesn't know why her husband was missing for 48 hours. Yeah. So let's get to the real basis of why all, everyone is so upset and everyone is so grief-stricken. It has absolutely nothing to do with the phone call. It has a lot to do with um, what we're talking about now. Thank you. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard. Fighting non-violently.
If you would like your product, service, or your book to be mentioned on the George Wilder Jr. Show twice a day, four days a week, <laughs> right here on the George Wilder Jr. Show, just email the show or email its host for more details. Thank you. Thank you. All right, GOP, well, the House of Representatives uh, in Congress, led by Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, they have uh, OK's GOP tax bill in Trump win, Senate fate less clear. OK, the House of Representatives have, have given Trump a win by voting for this rotten tax bill that's going to benefit the rich people and going to screw the rest of us. And there is no doubt about it, folks. It's, it's, it's a mess. Uh, the, the Congress, they snuck this through. They, while we were uh, concentrating on something else, they uh, passed this atrocious tax bill that's nothing but a giveaway to the rich. That's it. Uh, the Senate has its own version of the bill. So it might be dead on arrival in the Senate because it, it has its own tax bill that they're coming up with. So I don't know. I see conflict here. Uh, the House of Representatives, they have their own tax bill that they've just passed. The Senate has a tax bill that they would like to see passed. Uh, this, is, this, this spells trouble. I mean, you can't have two. <laughs> Trump just wants anything. He wants anything he can sign in, sign in the law and put it on his desk just so he can say he's got a complete win. He'll, he'll sign anything. If a million people were thrown off their health care, put it on his desk. I'll sign it. He, he'll sign anything because he, he wants a legislative, a legislative win uh, in his column. Right now, Trump has no legislative win, nowhere, nothing. And he may not have this one because there's two conflicting bills. Obviously, obviously, the reason why the Senate came up with their own bill, they didn't like what the House presented. And that's a problem. They're not on the same page. If they want this thing to go to um, Trump's desk for, for a signature, they have to be on the same page. And they're not. They're not on the same page. Republican rammed a near... $1.5 trillion package overhauling corporate and personal taxes through the House on Thursday, edging President Trump and the GOP and the GOP towards their first big legislative triumph in a year in which they and their voters expect expected much more. So it's saying here that it's not a quite done deal yet. Just like I've been saying, uh, the House, the, the, they have two conflicting bills here. They can only have one that each uh, chamber will agree on. And when I say chambers, I'm talking about the House of Representatives and the Senate. They both have to agree on a bill, and it doesn't seem as they do. The Democrats voted against it. There's no, Every one of them voted against it, the Republicans. But, you know, the Republicans are in charge. So they are they have an overwhelming minority majority I'm sorry in the uh, in Congress. So 
the Democrats can be pissed off. They can be just as angry as they can be. They could, they don't have to agree with everything. They don't like it. But however, it's nothing that, that they can do because they're in the minority. The Republicans are running every damn thing. And the Republicans, this is why Donald Trump is, has not been actually impeached yet, thrown out of office, because the Republicans are protecting him. Okay, the vote, um, the near party line, the vote was near party lines, two, 227 to 205. The vote came as Democrats on the other side of the Capitol pointed to new estimates. Estimates showing that the Senate would boost future taxes on lower and middle-class Americans. Those projections coupled with complaints by the GOP senators about their chamber proposals suggest party leaders still face a challenge in crafting a measure that can make it through Congress with little, if, with little or any Democratic support. All right, the House passage raised GOP hopes that Trump would be able to claim a big victory I don't see how he can claim a big victory when they don't agree. They have to agree. And these are Republicans. Republicans can't agree with Republicans. Democrats ain't got a damn thing to do with it because they hold no power. But they can bitch and complain and run out to the media and the microphones and talk about how this tax bill is is for the um, uh, rich. But that's all they can do because they can't do anything legislatively because they don't have the numbers in Congress to do anything. The Republicans in, are in big control of everything. You know, I mean, the majority of the majority of the American people want Donald Trump impeached. The Democrats want want Donald Trump impeached, but Donald Trump's ass is being saved by Congress, and he knows it. Congress is saving his butt, and come twenty come twenty eighteen November twenty eighteen. Uh, if the Democrats swarm, uh, if there's a washout of Republicans in 2018, which I'm thinking it's going to be Democrats, one of the first things on their plate will be to, to impeach Trump if he hasn't been run out of office already through these uh, in Russia investigations. You know, so we'll just have to see where they go. Passing this bill, so I'm quoting, passing this bill is the single biggest thing we can do to grow the economy. That's not going to, anything the Republicans try to do for America is not going to grow the economy. That's a, a damn lie to, uh, to try to get the crazies on board. And a lot of people will believe that. But level, level-headed and intelligent people will not, especially when it's coming from a Republican who uh, is supporting Trump. Okay, to restore opportunity and to help those middle-class income families who are struggling. After they get this bill through, I mean, if it, let's just, just say, hypothetically, uh, they, uh, they somehow agree, the Senate and the House of, Representat- House of Representatives somehow agree on a bill, and they send it to Donald Trump's tax bill, and they send it to Donald Trump's desk to be signed into law. Folks, they're coming after your Social Security next. They're coming after Medicaid, Social Security. They're coming after Obamacare. My, my understanding is that Obamacare is tied into this bill. Or were they thinking about tying it into this bill? And if, if Obamacare is tied into this bill, 
they can forget it. This is another failure because the American people are not going to allow it. All right, Democrats derided the measure as a scheme that would help the rich but do little for anyone else. Republicans have brought forth a bill that is okay, that is negative to the middle class, uh, to pad the pockets of the wealthy, the wealthiest, and hand tax breaks breaks to corporations shipping jobs out of America. That's what it's all about with the Republicans, taking care of their own, which is the rich, shipping jobs out of America. So how in the hell can they say that's good for the economy? The Republicans will say anything to get you sidetracked so they can you know, do, do more damage and more dirt and more harm to America and to your pocketbook. Okay, both the House and the Senate versions of the legislation would cut the 35 would cut the 35% corporate tax rate on 20% while reducing some personal taxpayer rates and erasing and shrinking deductions for individuals. Projected federal deficits would grow by 1.5 trillion over the coming decade. We cannot have these folks doing this. Hopefully this bill will not get through. Congress will not get through basically the Senate because they have their own version. Quoting, he told us that we have this once in a lifetime opportunity opportunity to do something really bold. And he reminded us that it is that it is why we seek these offices. Wow. Republicans go to Congress to hurt people, to hurt the very people who put their butts in office. They go there to hurt people. And come 2018, November 6, 2018, we have, we have a big job to do. That is cleaning house, cleaning house of representatives cleaning house. There's going to be a tsunami uh, wipeout in 2018. One of the reasons why I know it's going to be a big pickup for Democrats is that a lot of Republicans are quitting, they're resigning, and a lot lot more are retiring. They're retiring. A lot of Republicans are leaving uh, uh, Congress, because they're, they weren't sent there. They'll tell you they weren't sent there to harm people. They were sent there to help people. But this is a new kind of, uh, this is a brand new kind of Republicans that we're looking at. This is not the Ronald Reagan Republican Republicans. This is not the George H.W. Uh, Bush Republican Party. This is a Republican Party even the Republicans uh, don't know anything about. A small group of House Republicans, largely from New York and New Jersey, rebelled because the House plan would erase tax deductions for state and local income and sales taxes and limit property tax deductions of $10,000. You have, you have a lot of these folks. They don't agree with each other, and they're Republicans. They don't want to hurt their constituency. They want their jobs back. They don't want to lose their jobs. 
But Donald Trump and but Donald Trump and the Republicans in Congress, they don't give a damn about what the Americans think. They don't give a damn about what their constituencies think. It's what they want. It's not what the American people want. I've said this a thousand times. Donald Trump is a servant of the American people, but he doesn't think so. He thinks we're supposed to be serving him. We're his servants or peasants. <laughs> you know, I'm peasants. We're peasants because we're not rich like he is. At least some of us are not. And he look, looks at us as peasants. I mean, that overseas trip to Asia, I mean, the only thing he did over there was embarrass America like he always does. The Republicans and, and his supporters, they don't give a damn. Donald Trump still have supporters, but his supporting, his supporters have dwindled. They are, they're pissed off at him. And a lot of the Republicans in Congress, their support has, has uh, uh, dwindled also, but they don't care. They want what the hell they want. They want to hurt Americans. They want to hurt mom and pop businesses. They want to hurt, they want to hurt the elderly, seniors, children, the disabled. This is what they want to do. They don't want nothing to do with gun control. Even though every, every week, uh, so often, somebody, there's a mass killing. I don't see how these people live with themselves. I really don't children i'm pretty sure there's a lot of i'm i'm pretty sure that a lot of these uh senators and representatives in congress their constituency will come to them and tell them they want gun control but a majority of these republicans they'll save what their constituents want to hear then they'll go back to congress and do something else something different all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. You can follow me on Facebook, follow me on Blog Talk Radio, follow me right there, follow me right here. Um, it's a click up there that says follow or something uh, to that effect. I want to thank my guest, uh, author Linda Benz. Uh, pick up her book. I mean, it, it, seems, um, it seems like a good book, and I told her I would give her a review, and if I can find the time, I probably will. So you guys pick up that book and, and also pick up something, pick up, pip, oh, I can't say, I can't say it. All right, pick up a book by myself or pick up a short story. You know, I'm, I'm on, I'm an author too. I'm also on Amazon and there's a uh, um, link down uh, below uh, for this show, this particular show. I try to put a link on every show that I book so you can go and uh, to my uh, Amazon page and, Check out some of the things that I have done and will do and, you know, just download something. I, I have stuff in Kindle. Yeah, I do a lot of Kindle work and I, I have paperbacks, you know, stuff like that. So a lot of that stuff is good. You know, it's fiction. It's made up. It's it's me. I, I had fun doing it. Um, I know a lot of people don't read some of the stuff that I don't read material like I um, that I, the, some of the material that I write, but that's OK. But uh, there's something for everybody uh, on my site. Just just check it out. Go through it. Browse. You know, you'll find something. And for 2018, I'm going to be um, uh, publishing more, you know, uh, Dracula. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I really do like the, uh, the Dracula tra- uh, uh, 
trilogy trilogy that I'm doing, the Dracula. It, it there some people say, well, that's garbage. Your it's not garbage because I it's intelligently written. You can be it, it's believable. Some parts of it, it's very very scary. There are short stories. Uh, I can't see myself doing a 300-page uh, book about Count Dracula. It's just fun. I mean, I mean, you look at a lot of uh, horror writers. You have Steve, uh, uh, um, not Steve, but Stephen King. You got Dean Coots. You got other kind of horror writers out there. You mystery writers, horror writers, and some of these people uh, are people I, I read. You know, I mean, you know. I think it's great stuff. Check it out. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We've got about seven more minutes into the show. Um, hey, Christmas is almost here. <laughs> and believe me, I've got stuff on Amazon, uh, sh- some short stories about Christmas. I call them novelettes. It's Christmas, Finding Christmas. And then there's another one called Merry Christmas, Mason Featherstone, which I, Mason Featherstone is one of my, one of my favorite characters. And I do understand that a lot of people out here who they love short stories. They they don't have time to read something that's two or three uh, hundred, four hundred pages. And uh, uh, if you don't want to read stuff like that, then you can always go to my page. You'll find short stories. You know, they're short and they're powerful and they're inventive. And and I had a lot of fun doing them. And I always tell authors when readers have a, a great time uh, reading what you write uh it means because they see that you had fun in doing it doing it producing that you know and i i always have fun i'm writing right now and i'm having a time of my life writing okay all right i want to thank my guest linda benz for being on the show she was great we got about six more minutes left into the show we um yeah we got about six more minutes left into the show and uh, uh, we'll be off again for three days. I'm going to do some writing, some more writing, and I hope you, you guys check it out on Amazon. And uh, we're going to be doing some more writing, some, and, you know, and uh, music and stuff like that. It's fun. It, it, I guess it's fun to keep busy. I try to keep myself busy, and I, I know that uh, you're keeping yourself busy too because we don't have time to be depressed we don't have we don't have time to think about failure. We just want to um, we want to improve. We want to be the best that we can be, and that's about it. You know, I mean, yeah, that's about <laughs> that's about what we do. All right, you've been listening to the to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I'm hoping that you. Uh, uh, we'll download some of that stuff and um, have a great time. It's, it's it's fun. Just have a great time. Just let your uh, let your imagination just go wild and just have a great time reading what I've written. Uh, available on on Amazon. Alrighty, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that little laugh. We'll be right back. Home.
Okay, one more thing about this uh, this this uh, tax uh, bill that has passed the House. Uh, besides uh, Johnson, um, Republican Senators Susan Collins of Maine and Jeff Flake and John McCain of Arizona, Bob Corker of Tennessee, and Lisa Murkowski, these people have yet to commit to backing this tax uh, reform or measure. So this is why I'm saying it's probably uh, dead on arrival when it, when it hits the Senate floor. But anyway, the, as I said, the, um, the House has passed it, and I think it's a shame, but they've passed it, and we'll just have to deal with what's going to come out on Monday. Uh, we're going to be off tomorrow, which is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's always been the day off for the George Wilder Jr. show to, you know, to try to recoup. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show, downloading, and uh, just doing all the good things that you can do to make the world a better place. from the mighty and the mighty from the small.